It's time for the Picture House Podcast with your hosts, Sam and Simon. Please ensure that your mobile phone is switched off, refrain from smoking, and keep conversation to a minimum. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show! Yo ho ho, and welcome <laughs> to the Christmas edition of the Picture House Podcast. My name is Sam Clements, and I'm joined by Simon Renshaw. Hello Sam, how are you? I'm very well, thank Yo you. Yo ho ho, as Father Christmas is wont to say. Well, this is a traditional greeting. <laughs> yes. We are eating some mince pies here on our pirate ship. Delicious. Uh, this, this Christmas, and uh, we're having a, a jolly time. We are. It's the uh, Picture House podcast Christmas party. I'm glad I'm glad to be here. I love doing these roundup shows. It's a great um, time. I look back at my big list of films, and it reminds me just how much time I spent indoors. I love, yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. I love making a big list as well. It's really, it's a really good one for it. 2017's been a horrible year for lots of people for lots of different reasons. Uh, where better to escape? Than your local cineplex. Absolutely. Uh, pop quiz, how many films have you seen this year? Absolutely no idea, but I think it's more than most because I was uh, out of full-time employment for nine months of the year. I had a big sort of sabbatical this year. Um, and as what as such, I watched a heck of a load of films. Just at LFF alone, I watched 50 films. Wow. Um, so that was just over the space of a couple of weeks. You had some good festival times. Really uh, you good. You saw everything at Sundance London as well. I did see absolutely everything at uh, Sundance London. I was working at it and I didn't see everything at Sundance London. Uh, I saw the whole lot um, <laughs> and so much LFF stuff and everything in between. I'll tell you what was nice though. When I do my big end of year list for best films and worst films, I, the, the way that I start doing that is I look at the, the whole calendar year and then I make a note of every four or five star film roughly in my head for the year. And this year there were four. 40 of them, which is massive. That's huge. usually a, a smaller number than that. It's been a cracking year. I think it's been an amazing year. Like yeah. I was just a similar thing. I was going through, I've, I'm such a nerd. I keep a Google Doc of every film I watch sure. on TV, in the cinema, on a plane, etc. Yeah. I think I watched my worst film of the year on a plane, Rough Night. Oh, Christ. Uh, Scarlett Johansson comedy yeah. uh, with, with some amazing people in it, Kate McKinnon and Ilana Glazer, but Woof. absolutely no chemistry or jokes uh, for anybody in the film to, no. uh, to work with. No. A real shame. But uh, I think I'm on 235 films big. so far, which is a little bit less than last year. But I've watched loads more TV this year. Right. And I've played lots more video games. Yeah. Uh, Super yeah. Mario Odyssey has been a large part of my year. He's a multimedia man. Yeah. Cinema needs to up its game. Come on, cinema. <laughs> uh, but the films I have seen, I think I've seen more amazing films and great films and actually pretty good films mm. this year than I have in previous years. I think I've been avoiding films where, eh, I don't think I need to watch that. Yes, <laughs> I think you're right. I think we've probably spent the last two years just watching everything. Mm. Now we're sort of getting to a stage where it's mm. a bit like, hmm. Because I, 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 I highlighted the films I enjoyed. I, I think like I enjoyed about a third of the films I watched. Yeah. Like to to loved or to just I like, actually quite enjoyed. Would watch that again. Not a bad and ratio. That's kind of that's kind yep. of nice. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Shall we, as it's Christmas in yes. the Pod Grotto, shall we open our presents? Yes. We bought each other Christmas presents. I've got you some presents. Mine are extremely badly wrapped. Ooh, yours are. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They look like a dog's dinner, and I promise you that inside they are not dog's dinners. Shall we? So what we'll do, because this is an audio medium and we're going to open some objects in a real room, listeners, we'll open and describe. Thank you. There's three there, and I've got two for you. I felt bad. Is there an order I should open them in? Uh, I think you should watch. open the big one first, okay. which is uh, how I open my presents at home. The big one. <laughs> 
just start. Mum, come on open the big one. <laughs> End with a selection box. Start off with the PS4. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, he's enjoying what he's seen. It's the perfect It's the perfect gift to receive on the, what is it, the 16th of December? It's the 17th, yes. The 17th of December. It's an advent calendar. <laughs> it means basically you can eat a whole bar of chocolate right now. <laughs> and beautifully, listeners, it's the Ferdinand advent calendar, which uh, is in my top 40 of the year fantastic um i really enjoyed it i thought it was really it's so much better than i thought it was going to be i thought that trailer was a disaster as such my expectations were on the floor for the film uh, despite having read the excellent book but i uh, i loved it these colorful cast of characters that you can see on the back here you can sort of cut those out if you want to um they're all a delight just, just so you know thank you very much that's a delightful present uh, i'm gonna open one of yours now open the thin one okay simon has uh, there's one that looks like a, a big square and one that looks like uh like a pencil uh, yes, i'm <laughs> opening the sort of weird pencil uh, thing now do you know what they are uh, I, I mean i do you want to say they're lightsaber chopsticks they are lightsaber chopsticks um, they look really really impractical uh, I think they're also extremely badly weighted. I yeah, think they'd be got, a nightmare to use. So it's a lightsaber where the beam is the chopstick yeah. and the, the sort of top is the, the metal handle that the characters would hold in the films. Yeah. But they're quite heavy. I don't think I could do noodles with these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can eat food with them. It's a shame that it's not one blue and one red or make it like I, a fun green one. I guess one, if but... you were going to be that guy, you'd be like, I think you'll find there's oh. only ever one red lightsaber oh. in a Star Wars. Oh, yeah. deliver me. Now, I think you should open, kind of open both of those together. Like, okay. like talk about, open them both and we'll talk about them both. Okay. Um, they're sort of a double bill and All I'll right. tell you why. I bought Simon some physical, uh, physical media. Um, the women. Mm. On Blu-ray. Yes. I've still not seen the women and always wanted to. That's the Meg Ryan, Annette Benning, Eva Mendes, Deborah Messing, Jada Pinkett Smith film. Um, Keep, go to the second line of the... Carrie the, the Fisher, ca Cloris Leachman, Debbie Mazar, Bette Midler, Candice Bergen. Like, it's everyone who's everyone. Um, oh, my God, Bette Midler looks amazing in this. Uh, I've still not seen it, and I've always wanted to. Well, I'm glad to get you a present that you, you might want. It's a really excellent present. Thank you. Uh, shall I open the other one? Please open the, the okay. other one. It's a similar-shaped box, but it's not another copy of The Women. Oh, it's Mojave! Which I've yet also yet to see. So this is a 2017 Oscar Isaac yeah, film. With Garrett which went straight to DVD. It did, and it <laughs> should have been like a big uh, deal. It's from the Oscar-winning writer of The Departed. Um, and I'd like to see this thriller, and I have no idea what the connection is between these two films. Well, it's got the cast of The Last Jedi and Carrie Fisher <gasps> and Oscar Isaac. Sam. It's a little primer for The Last Jedi. Really, really good. Thank you, Sam. Um, we have sort of quite accidentally gone almost entirely for Star Wars themed presents. <laughs> I mean, it is the week of The Last Jedi, but do open the last present. It's an ice cube tray and the ice cubes are Han frozen in carbonite. Wow. But yeah. I don't think that Disney would be very pleased about them because they're absolutely not Disney sanctioned. And you can tell that because if you look at this here, Sam, it says... Ham Solo <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of Han Solo wow. on, the, on the outside. Thanks for my Ham Solo <laughs> ice cube shapes. It's my pleasure. Six little hands. Yeah, just for a little Christmas present. You, you could maybe mince up some ham and then freeze the ham in, and have like frozen 
ham cubes. And then I'll eat them with these chopsticks. <laughs> well, thank you very thank much you very for much. my presents. Uh, I look forward to using those over the Christmas period. I will tell you when I've done my Mojave and <laughs> the women double bill. I want to hear all about it. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. No worries. Uh, a little treat for all of the pods we've been doing this year. Ushers and organic snacks, it's a very fine place indeed. A range of films is remarkable, and every genre makes the list. And you can take your drinks into the film if you really want to get comfortable. Shall we, on that note, shall we, uh, shall we start talking about some films? It's a great idea, uh, Sam. Some films that are actually out in cinemas and it's not just on straight to DVD. Tradition dictates that we leap into the Picture House Top 5. That's the top five highest grossing films of the last week. So it's an interesting list because when a big film comes out, like a Star Wars, Last Jedi, people stop releasing films. So it gives the films that have been previously released a chance to kind of spread. Like, exactly. you know, just like grow at the end and, and an audience will come in and, and see them. And, and I think it it's gives them a chance to grow in cinemas. So. Yes. Call Me By Your Name is in at number five. Call yeah. Me By Your Name came out on like the 16th of October it's or something. It's got some impressive reach, certainly, that it's, it's like still kicking around in the top five. Two months in cinemas and, and word of mouth on this film has been fantastic. Yeah, it's really I impressive. haven't actually seen it. Have you not? No. Sam! I know, I it's know. It's a big one. I felt bad doing my list and not having seen it. But it's a biggie. I'm well up for it. I was really surprised by the, the response it was getting because the, uh, the director's previous film, A Bigger, Bigger Splash, Splash, was something which I wasn't yeah. so keen on. No, same here. Um, it's definitely Luca G's best film. The reviews for this have been mind-blowing. Yes. Yeah. Um, perhaps a little too much as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. If I was doing my best supportery lists, then I would certainly put Stuhlbarg on there. And maybe even Army as well. He's very good. Nice. And Timothée Chalamet. was absolutely 100% on my best actors of the year list. It's so he's someone who I didn't really know before this year. Yeah. But uh, I did see a film he's in, which comes out next year, called Ladybird. Yes. He's actually got a really, it's quite a small role in it. Yeah. But um, he's very good in that small role. Great. And then lots of people were saying, oh, he's great in this. So yeah, based on his very small role in Ladybird. I'm looking forward to seeing him in this. Excellent. In at number four, it's Murder on the Orient Express, Ooh. which is a, a remake of Murder on the Orient Express, <laughs> which is based on the book Murder on the Orient Express. Um, this is directed and starring Kenneth Branagh. He was the gaffer. He was uh, the best boy. Key grip. And it's got everybody in it, including yeah. uh, Star Wars's Daisy Ridley. It's got Daisy Ridley. Uh, it's got Olivia Colman yeah. in it. It's got Judy Dench. It's got Derek Jacoby. It's got Johnny Depp. It's your lot. <laughs> I'm still yet to see it. It feels like a Boxing Day belter for me. So he, uh, and, and it really does feel like a Boxing Day film. And I'm glad it's still in cinemas now as we approach Boxing Day. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah. was released, again, this was released at the end of October. And it's just been, you know, doing its thing for the last few months. It, it's, it's amazing that it's still in cinemas because it didn't get the best reviews when it came out. But no. I think the audiences have responded really well. And I saw it and I had a really good time. It just reminded me of Christmas. Really fun score. Um, I can't remember who wrote the score, but I can remember over the end credits there is a song written by Kenneth Branagh. Oh my goodness. Sung by Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is also in the film. Michelle Pfeiffer is probably my Second favourite performance after Branagh, who it just, like, yeah. milks it. Is he a really, big, really giant <laughs> Christmas it. gammon? Yeah, he's so good in it. <laughs> I watched, every time he's on screen, my the smile on my face, like, just doubled in size. Because yeah. he's so, he's, he's loving it. He's having such a good time. 
Uh, yeah, would would recommend and okay, do stay for the end credits to hear the song that was written by Kenneth wow. Branagh and sung by Michelle Pfeiffer. I will. I hope it's um, nominated for an Oscar and then I we'll get to see will. Michelle Pfeiffer singing at the awards. I'm going to download that soundtrack right now. <laughs> In at number three, it's The Disaster Artist, mm-hmm. a film uh, based on the uh, the infamous uh, bad film The Room, which we've played at picture houses a few times. It's got a bit of a cult following and yeah. we've had the director and uh, actually the, the two main uh, characters of this film, the real life people, Greg Sestro and Tommy Wiseau, have been to uh, the Cameo in Edinburgh and Picture House of Fact in Liverpool and the Duke of York's in Brighton to sort of introduce and do Q&As with this film. I'm sure lots of you guys would have seen The Room already, but The Disaster Artist is sort of based on the story of making The Room. Yes. Uh, it's based on a book called The Disaster Artist, written by Greg Sestro, who was one of the sort of key figures of, of making this terrible yeah. bad film. And it's, it, I, I thought it was quite fun. I liked it. So, uh, so James Franco directs this and stars in this. And his brother, Dave Franco, um, is his co-star. And there's a whole like, heap of sort of cameos and, and smaller roles yeah. uh, filled by American comedians. If you like your American comedy, uh, this is uh, like rich pickings. Nathan Fielder. Nathan Fielder's in it. Nathan Fielder's Nathan uh, Fielder. Seth Rogen's in it. Yeah. Uh, Paul Shears in it. Jason Manzukas is in it. Yeah. Hannibal Barres is in it. It's a really, really remarkable cast. You name it. I really liked Disaster Artist. Good. Thought it was a fun adaptation. Quite a tragic story also, this guy exactly. who plows so much money into making this terrible film and doesn't know what he's doing but doesn't really have the confidence to ask. Mm. So he, he just bullishly, like makes this film the way he thinks he should make this film it's a big old stab at it and it's uh it's kind of fun I, you don't have to have seen the room before seeing this which is nice it's not an exclusive film like oh, it's only to, for people yeah, who've seen this room. i've spoken to people who uh, haven't seen the room who've had a really good time watching the disaster artist if anyone is concerned about that if you did some homework yeah. uh yeah you went home and you watched the room on dvd on your own you'd want to turn it off after 10 minutes yes. um and luckily they only show you about 10 minutes of that in this film so um yeah would recommend a disaster artist it's much more palatable than than watching the actual room yeah it's been a good year for franco as well like he's been considered for oscars and yeah. baftas and and things like yeah. he's one of the directors and performances in contention um it's yeah it's it's a really impressive film would recommend it and if you enjoy the film it's based on a book called the disaster artist uh, written by greg sestro and there's lots of stuff in the book that doesn't make it to the big screen so would recommend uh, going out picking out the book in at number two Speaking of films that have been around for a, a few weeks, Paddington 2 Oof. is still in the top five, and Absolute it's number two. That's amazing. Paddington. Uh, Paddington 2 came out in early November, and like Murder on the Orient Express, I'm glad, I'm glad it stayed on screens around Christmas, because it feels like a perfect Christmas film. Yeah, I took uh, my family to see, all of my family to see the first Paddington a couple of Christmases ago, which was excellent fun, and I imagine we'll be doing exactly the same thing next week yes because what a joy it is and they, they all have all seen paddington 2 already but we'll go again yes. oh good lord we'll go again i've seen this film twice in the cinema would happily watch it again third fourth fifth sixth time absolutely uh, wonderful it's really great yeah. uh, director paul king is back and he's co-written the screenplay this time with simon farnaby and uh, i think they've done a really amazing job together and the the cast is is bigger and better than ever before. Yeah, it just stand equal to uh, to that first film. It's such a wonderful piece of work. It's so rare for a sequel to you know it, it should be hard, but it feels like often sequels just don't quite have that same attention to detail or or the same crew or the same like reason for being than than as the first film. And with Paddington Two, it feels like they approached the sequel with the right frame of mind. Yeah, and they kept all of the key people in place. 
and they've just expanded on this amazing universe. And, Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. I, I think it's equally as good as the first film. Yeah, one hundred percent. And Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant. And I love yeah, Hugh Grant and Brendan Gleeson are two incredible uh, performances playing brand new characters for this series. Yeah. Um, would love to see more of them. Uh, Could not agree more. Had a had a great time. And number one. It's Star Wars The Last Jedi. Of course uh, it is. Based on just a couple of days at the box office. It's, it's the film that literally everybody is going to watch, and they're watching it multiple times Massive. because it's a Star Wars film. Mega. We saw it on Tuesday. We're seeing it again uh, in two hours' time. I'm very excited to watch it again. Yeah, I really feel like I need to see it again. It's a huge, huge, huge film. It's the longest Star Wars. It's 152 minutes long. Yes. Um, that's certainly a thing. It, it and is. it's mega. It's one of the, one of the many components that, that goes towards it feeling like such a giant piece of work. So yeah, so I, I was so hyped to go into this. Um, I, I loved The Force Awakens. I've never been so excited. Rewatched The Force Awakens a couple of days before yep. going to this. We got to go to the European premiere uh, yes. of uh, Star Wars: The Last so, Jedi, which a was real a big. Thrill. It was a, it was probably the biggest thing I've ever been to. It it was, was, yeah, I think it might be the biggest thing I've ever been to. Certainly, it was at the Royal Albert Hall. It's the first time I think that they've ever installed an IMAX screen yeah, it was there. An IMAX pop up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost. Uh, uh, it was all in black tie. Was the dress yeah, code? To get, up to get dressed up to go and watch a film, which is always fun. Um, get Huge audience, in the dark. like 1,500 people yeah, or something in, in that crowd, uh, bigger than most cinemas in the UK. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a treat. Should we just talk a little bit about the plot, then talk about who's in it and then how we yes, felt? Yes, absolutely. Um, so this film picks up immediately after The it Force Awakens. And I think with some sequels, you don't have to have seen the first film to enjoy it. Like Paddington yeah. 2, I think, works fine. I'm sure having it not seen the first you one. really need to but see The Force this, Awakens. Yeah, like, the, the Force Awakens sort of ends a bit on a cliffhanger, and it this does. is the resolution of that. So please, please, please rewatch Force Awakens. It's actually mm-hmm. on Netflix right now if you don't have a, a DVD copy of it at home. Yeah. Um, so do that. And, uh, and yeah, so we follow our three new protagonists, Daisy Ridley's Rey, um, who ended up on this island with, uh, with Luke Skywalker at the end of the last film. Um, we follow John Boyega's Finn, who at the end of the last film was ba- sort of badly injured, and we see him at the beginning of this film in his recovery state. I was talking to someone the other day who, the first time that he saw The Force Awakens, he thought that Finn died. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> to think that Finn has died would be a, a very different ending to The Force Awakens. Um, and he did re-watch The Force Awakens and it wasn't, it wasn't confused by the beginning of The Last Jedi. <laughs> thinking, how? How have they brought him back to life? Uh, I would have liked it if he did watch it under that, <laughs> just for the first half an hour. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa guys. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron, the best mm. uh, star pilot in all the galaxy. Yeah, I mean, we need another Han Solo, so yes. let's write another Han Solo. Um, and the film kind of splits its attention between uh, the three of their sort of plot lines, and sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. And, yeah. uh, and we also see some of the sort of older cast uh, including Carrie Fisher in her final Star Wars uh, performance and Mark Hamill's back as, as Luke Skywalker and he's actually in the film this time. It's nice to see the prominence of Luke in this and the importance of the character mm-hmm. and it's nice to know that Mark Hamill is still good at acting. Yeah I mean it's crazy isn't it because we haven't really seen him in very much apart from the, the odd cameo where he might 
play a very sort of Luke Skywalker-y type character. Yeah. We haven't really seen him do some heavy lifting no. uh, for a number of years. His voice work is amazing. He's um, the Joker. He voices the Joker in, in yeah. the Batman uh, animated series and the computer games. And he's so good at that stuff. But we have, yeah, like it's, it's kind of it's, it's strange how absent he's been from our, our screens. Yeah, um, he's very good. Uh, he's also in a film called Brigsby Bear this year and, and he's very good in that. Playing a very different uh, character to Luke Skywalker. But yeah, and, uh, and also, of course, Adam Driver as, as Kylo Ren is back. What I like about these films is how it does feel like we're getting we're following the villains as much as we're following the heroes. And in the original trilogy, like there wasn't as much development of the the, 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 the evil characters. Yeah. He's it, later on in the series he does evolve, but especially in those first two films, he's very mm. much he's the bad guy. That's his job. He's the bad yeah, guy. Yeah, I think I think I do think that Kylo Ren is the best thing in this new emerging trilogy. And I think Adam Driver is probably the best performance. Yeah, I, I love I his performance in in both of these films. He's terrific. Uh, he's doing some really astounding yeah. work. Um, he really makes it work. He just makes the whole thing come alive. I think he's excellent. In terms of the film, this does feel like the second film. It feels like it's now now that we know the universe, people can sort of splinter off and can have their own adventures. Whereas in the first film, you like it's either Finn or Ray in every scene, and yeah. we rarely have something without them. In fact, when Poe crash lands on the planet, you don't see him for a large part of the film yeah. because he's not with the two protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like how they've they've sort of split their time between I say those four younger actors in this film and all of the sort of emerging cast around them. I think they do a good balancing job. There are lots of different people in lots of different situations, but we don't feel that anyone is lacking or anyone's overbearing. And Mm. that's a tricky balance to find. Balance of the force. Yes. Balance of the characters. Yes. All well balanced. I think... Like Watching this film, it was like being on a roller coaster ride. I was so excited. And... There's so many moments in this film which made me turn to you and yeah, like we let did. out like either a laugh or a we yell. We did a lot of turning to each other. <laughs> and I think that first viewing is so much fun. Yeah. Just for like what they're throwing at you. Yeah. And I think they're honouring the previous Star Wars films, but they're also expanding on these new characters. And these, these new characters are really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and and I, love, I love to see. I'm loving where they're going and I can't wait to see where they continue to go. One of the things that I definitely want to highlight is all the new beasties. Yes. Really great beasties and i'm not just talking about porgs which have got a lot of uh, airtime of mm. late um i think there's a whole great new set of beasties that work really well and are really fun and entertaining and it reminds me of the original trilogy where you know lucas would populate scene with just people in costumes and some yeah. like puppets and, and things and they're doing that in this film as well the design is just crazy it's off the wall and i yeah. loved there's two in particular which i really really loved and yeah. i'm actually so excited to watch them some more yeah me too <laughs> me too there's more humor in this star wars film than in any other star wars film which is certainly a very interesting choice and it really worked for the audience that we saw it with on tuesday night people were going crazy for mm. the big jokes and there are some big old jokes i don't think um a lot of that humor sits particularly well for me sometimes i feel like it's almost like we're undermining some of the villain characters at points for the sake of laughs i think they've they've taken on board the fact that people really loved those elements of humor in the force awakens you know the the bb8 thumbs up um, finn not knowing what the force is exactly all of that stuff which works really well And they've taken that note from people loving that stuff and gone to 11 with it in the, in the second instalment or mm. rather the eighth instalment. I think it's slightly overkill for me. But yeah, I think that's something that I just 
want them to be careful about, especially when it comes to episode nine as well. Who's directing episode nine now? So J.J. Abrams it's is back. JJ's and he's back. on writing duty Just as well. Colin's off. That's Colin's, Colin's off. It's so interesting. I interviewed Colin Trevorrow this year. I was the right. last interview he did before he was going to sort of go offline right. and uh, start working on, on which Riley. he'd been prepping for a year already. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was promoting a film called The Book of Henry, which, uh, you know what? It wasn't as bad as what everybody I'd said. I'd like to see it. It has a really good I'm Michael Giacchino it. score, yeah. and it's got some fun stuff in it. But anyway, he was he was he's left the project yeah. for whatever reason, and JJ's been brought back. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how JJ, the last film in this trilogy, is. Do we know who's written? No, well, they're writing it, and I think JJ will will write it, and he right. or he'll be at least be co-writing. No, I don't know if Ryan Johnson's worked on the story at all, or or mm. what, how much is being passed over. But yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like it. It feels its runtime. Like I, I it comfortably. I was there for the whole time and I never felt bored. I, I sort of agree, yeah. I think, I mean, the film is backloaded. It's a crescendo. We're building mm. towards a giant thing in the third act. So there were times uh, in that first 90 minutes where I felt a bit sort of like, come on, let's let's get to it. Mm. And it gets there in the end. It really does. Um, that third act is excellent and really exciting. But it does take its time getting there. I feel like the um, if there's a bit too much story, it's not too long until there's a big action scene or or something, and then there might be a, a revelation or a big plot scene yeah. as well. So, but yeah, I just thought the pacing was good for its crazy long runtime for a Star Wars film. All of the original trilogy are no more than two hours long, yeah. and now in these new films, we're starting to see them get longer and longer. Yeah. Um, I imagine the final one will be about seven hours. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Lots to pack in. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Sure, go for it. Why not? <laughs> it would be remiss of us not to mention John Williams' excellent score, uh, very much building on the groundwork from... Force Awakens, which she wrote some really great new stuff for. And yeah, he's done another fantastic job. He's great. I think like all of the stuff we'd heard already was great. Yep. And it was really nice to hear it again. I really struggled to think of anything new from this one. There's, and I'm sure there is, but yeah. I just didn't stand out. Like Ray's theme in the in Force Awakens sure. really stands out. And it's like, oh, this is different. This yeah. is new. Um, I need to spend a bit of time with the soundtrack, certainly. But yeah, but yeah I, I know what you mean. There's nothing like... Very, very distinctive that sets it apart from The Force Awakens, but it's still really good work. It's also, I mean, you know, again, it's two and a half hours long. Like, the the music does just flow throughout. And I was, Absolutely. I, was, I think I'm definitely with a Star Wars film, I'm sort of in a quite a happy place because there is lots of nostalgia there. And I'm sort of quite happy to hear that Star Wars music and oh, to definitely. see people in that very distinctive costumes 100%. with lightsabers or whatever. The cinematography of this film is mind-blowing. Like, I think it's a really good-looking film. And the production design and the costumes yeah. are, like, out of this world. It's like, seriously literally. impressive. But uh, I think the new, all of the new stuff they bring in and, and Ryan Johnson's brought in um, builds on this sort of visual language yeah. um, of Star Wars. And there's stuff in this film we've never seen before. New planet designs, new costume designs. Yeah. It feels like everybody's costume in this is a little bit more like a little bit more regal or a bit grander than what mm. we've seen before and I mean, you know the original star wars films everything was done on a reason you know it's quite a low budget yeah. <laughs> it's all things held together with sticky tape sure. and washing up liquid bottles sprayed <laughs> silver yeah. uh and and in force awakens they had to sort of recapture that and in this they're sort of building on it as well so like, we're seeing classy. new costumes we've never yeah. really seen before yeah absolutely but yeah i think overall 
I really enjoyed this film. And I did. I'm happily going to watch it with you yeah. uh, for a second time this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm a little bit more mixed on it in places, but I'm very happy to be proven wrong by uh, watching it a second time. And so I went to a thing this week, listeners, after the premiere, where I got to speak to director Ryan Johnson, yeah. which was really exciting. But before I interviewed him, they gave me a bag of Star Wars merchandise. Oh. Um, and one of the items in it was a, 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 a barbecue-flavoured crisp oh, God. called Intergalactic Puffs. <laughs> How, how were the intergalactic puffs? They tasted out of this world. Yeah, I can uh, they were really, well, they were fun, but I just loved that they had intergalactic puffs. Um, and, you know, if I saw them in the shop, I would probably buy the intergalactic 100%. puffs. 100%. Um, they, were, they were shaped in the shape of Star Wars things, like a TIE Fighter, a BB-8, yeah. a Millennium Falcon. Classic. And there was a surprise shape Ooh. that wasn't detailed on the packet, but you had to dive in and find it. And what was it? I, I think it was a broken crisp. Okay. <laughs> it was the crumbs. <laughs> Space dust. Couldn't find it. Um, but I did talk to Ryan Johnson Excellent. about the film coming out and what it's like working on a on a big film like this, which is released simultaneously across the world. Yeah. So let's talk to Ryan. Let's. Ryan, it's great to talk to you on a, on a podcast. Oh, uh, cool. Um, and, I love Picture House. When we were so, here in London, we would go go to your cinemas often. It's oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I worked on marketing Looper at, um, in our cinema, so it's really nice now to be nice. working on The Last Jedi. There we go. <laughs> Full circle. I was wondering, with your previous films, they've been more independent productions, which mm -hmm. have taken a little while to come out. There's been film festivals in different territories, and with this, yeah. it's everywhere, all at once. Very big difference. <laughs> this feels like a concentrated dose <laughs> and it's uh it's nice actually yeah i'm actually really enjoying it as opposed to the long build up to have it just be this big explosion and putting it out in the world it's i'm i'm, I'm treating it like skydiving this <laughs> one experience i'll have in my life and i'm trying to just enjoy it are yeah. you looking forward to well, i guess with the other films you've had like yeah. pockets of reactions yeah um with this you'll get a lot of reactions all at once <laughs> everything all at once yeah and it's you know I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what critics make of it i'm looking forward to hearing the fans when the fans start watching it when it comes out in a few days and uh you know i had growing up as a star wars fan i i know very personally that like how star wars fans are it, it, they all have because i know because i'm this way you know every single star wars movie you have things you love and things you don't about it so i'm really curious to see how the fans react to this and i'm sure it'll be no different but uh overall man i, I hope people enjoy it have you uh have you sat in with a like a public audience in a screening yet not a public audience we had the world premiere in los angeles so that was the very first time i got to see it with a crowd and then tonight we have the uk premiere and that'll be the second time i get to see it with a crowd. <laughs> but then when it opens in a few days i'll be in los angeles and i'm gonna go around to theaters and hear like real crowds and see see how sit it at the plays back. Yeah, yeah 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 sit at the back and sweat bullets sounds like a fun way to spend christmas so. it will be yeah i think so i can't imagine a better christmas than that so the Star Wars films are shot in Pinewood, which is such a like a legendary studio. Yeah. What was it like being there and, and being around that film history? For me, it was like Camelot. For me, it was really because I had just I'd never been before we went to shoot this movie. And then I basically lived there for a year. And, uh, you know, I'd heard it was this kind of mythic place to me growing up. And it was I had such a good time there. And to be able to kind of just set up shop there. Mm. And after a while, really feel comfortable. I miss Pinewood. It feels like a home that I lived in for a while that I think about and miss. So hopefully we'll be back someday. Absolutely. Yeah. Whilst you were there, did you see any, any other productions going on? 
You know what? We were so huge, we took over the whole studio. <laughs> we had so many sets that we built for this movie, and we used all the sound stages. Mm. And it was eerie, actually, how we were like the only kids on the block for a while, um, just because we ate the whole place up. Um, but usually, there's like it's such a big studio, there are several things going on at once. But yeah, we we turned it into a ghost town. <laughs> Sounds like it's uh, like going to school on a weekend. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. It felt a bit like that, except we were so big, it was it was busy. You know, so it was fun though. Whilst you're you know, busy making the film, how yeah. much uh, are you aware of what's going on around it? The uh, you know the, the the toys, the tie-ins, the video games. Yeah. While I'm making it, not very aware. And the Lucasfilm guys are they're really good at kind of keeping me up to date on it, but it never feels like it's part of the actual process of it. And that was something that I was, you know, coming into it, I was like, oh, am I going to have people saying, can you put more of this in? Can you put more of that? And the, I'll tell you, there was none of that. It was, it was entirely just, we made the movie we wanted to make, and then they figured out what they could make toys out of. And I actually, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up in the, you know, I, I was a kid in the 70s when... You didn't actually see the movies that often. You see mm. them once or twice in the theater if you're lucky, but you didn't have home video. And so a lot of the personal connection I have early in life to Star Wars was through toys mm. and through playing with them and being in that world. So um, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to be cynical about that aspect of it because I think that's actually a really important thing for kids. Absolutely. And like yeah. the novelization and the soundtrack is how you sometimes... Absolutely. I would ride my bike to King Supers. It's a grocery chain in the States. And I would, I would buy the novels of all the movies that I loved. And uh, I'm happy that we still do that. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much cool. uh, for talking to us. Thanks. Can't man. wait to show the film to an audience in our theater. Can't wait. <laughs> Hope they like it. <laughs> Well, how about that? So Ryan uh, Johnson's got a really great Instagram page and he's got lots of great behind the scenes photos about two years ago when they shot the film in London. He's got sort of Poe Dameron uh, drinking a Starbucks coffee in a X-Wing cockpit uh, on there. But if you sure. go to uh, more recent times, he's yeah. he's photographed all of the journalists who spoke to him. Oh, and right. he's photographed me. What a delight. Yeah, he was a, ni- he was a nice I bet he, he seems like a very nice man. Also really liked his, uh, like his work. I like his previous films, Brick uh, especially and Looper. I really liked yeah, Brothers great. Bloom was his sort of middle film which sure. was not so good sure. um, Adrian Brody Rachel Weisz has some fun moments in it yep. but uh, but not not the best film so it's in, yeah, he's made very very independent films and now he's he's not just doing this Star Wars film but he's been greenlit to do a whole new trilogy do we know anything about that trilogy yet he said it's he's just said it's nothing to do with the current story Fine. so all the characters we knew and it's set in a different bit of the universe we've never seen before sure uh, so yeah it'd be interesting i'm, I'm i think with rogue one they, they took a lot of risks on the story side and and actually something that's not wed to that skywalker family saga would be quite exciting for an audience yeah uh, so sign me up yes i'm in so Star Wars was kind of the last big, big, big film of 2017. It was. Um, So I think we're now in a really good place to do our end of the year list. That sounds like an excellent idea to me, Sam. Do you want to kick it off in a five to one kind of situation? Very happy to kick it off in a five to one situation. Also, we've not talked about what's in yours and what's in mine. So I'm very excited to hear what what, what what you've cooked up for us. From five to one, in at number five, it's L. Picture House. Interesting. Picture House Entertainment's L. Good number five. Um, a really, really excellent sum of Isabelle Huppert's best work. I think it's an astonishing piece of work. I love 
uh, honestly, pretty much everything about it. I think it's so scintillating and fascinating, and I just thought it was a terrific piece of work. It also really um, works on repeat viewing. So I've seen this film a few times, and the last time I saw it, which may be my fourth time, yeah. It just still blew my mind. I've only seen it a couple of times. I should it's watch it It's a really again. incredible piece of work from director Paul Verhoeven as well. Like, Good old Verhoeven. Just, yeah, wonderful. What a guy. Uh, great number five. Yeah. In number four, it's Moonlight. Remember Moonlight? I think it, I think it might have won an Oscar. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, no one can really remember. Um, yeah, Barry Jenkins' Moonlight, which I think is a, a, a wonderful film. With an um, amazing score as well. And yeah, God, another film that has just totally stayed with me. Thrilling and so beautiful. And I cannot wait to see... More and more and more and more from Barry Jenkins. What a talented man. In at number three, it's a documentary uh, called The Work, which I saw uh, a couple of months ago. It's directed by uh, Gethin Aldis and Joseph McCleary. It's quite unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's set in a prison and we follow three civilians who take part in a weekend-long is uh, like a therapy workshop that they run every year. They go to a giant sort of hangar, and inside that hangar, they get into groups of 10 or so, and they sit in a circle and they talk about their lives. And the film is as simple as that, and it blew me away. It's, it's an astonishingly powerful documentary, just watching these men talk about their lives. I really, I can't wait to see this film. We um, we actually, the directors came over to the UK and we worked with the distributor Dogworth on yeah. getting into a few cinemas and they, the, 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 apparently the Q&As were fascinating. God, I can really, imagine. really fascinating and engaging. Q&As um, for documentaries are always excellent. The, yeah, the audiences who saw the, the, the film in cinemas as well really, really loved it. And it was quite a limited release, which is a shame, but um, I think it's out on DVD really soon. So you can yep. go out and... Uh, and, and, and experience it I will I'm really desperate to see this film and number two is the film that I thought was going to be my number one of the year and then I had a change of heart it's Dunkirk interesting which for a film that is I mean basically it's been the year of the art house blockbuster this and you know Blade Runner 2049 so interesting to see a hundreds million dollar blockbuster art house film that is long and archaic and has lots of silence in mm. and very little dialogue and it's just fully embraces its medium and it could not be more exciting the score is so thrilling and so clever for so many different reasons the shepherd tone is used mm. perfectly the performances are wonderful it's an incredible ensemble it just left me stunned it's my most watched film cinematic of the year i saw it four times and i can't wait to see it again i just think it's a marvel like christopher nolan just does it for me every time. Yeah, it is so good on the big oh. screen. I'm sure it'll be great at home as well, but I love seeing this woman in the yeah. cinema. In at number one, it's Manchester by the Sea. Interesting. Yeah, I couldn't uh, not give it to Manchester purely because it is a film of total emotional truth. It's exactly what I want from storytelling. It's absolutely everything that I want. And I think Kenneth Lonergan is just an insanely talented person. And the performances add such value creatively. And yeah, I find it difficult to talk about. I think it is such an incredible piece of work. It's fully engrossing. Like I remember watching it and it felt like it was on for 10 minutes, but it's a two and a half hour long drama. And I I was so engrossed. I felt like I was part of their lives. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's something really special about how Kenneth Lonergan works. And we haven't had that many Kenneth Lonergan films, so we should savour them. And uh, Manchester is one which is really rich and rewards repeat viewing also. And it was the f- first thing I knew I was going to buy for my mum for Christmas because she's really? not seen it. Spoiler alert, mum, if you're listening. <laughs> I mean, you're not. But uh, uh, You didn't listen to the last one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Fantastic. 
And that's my top five. That's a great top five. It took a little while, but I'm, I think I'm pretty pleased with my, my, my five. Okay. Um, I think this is from like a possible 20, which went into this pile of quite good films. So number five is Get Out. Excellent. Uh, which is... I just loved i think it, mm. it, it is full of um surprise and it's so smart also has some really great jokes in it as well as being about a very serious and very current issue and i think it gets its message across because it you know you can relate to it you can relate to the horror and to the suspense but also to the comedy in this film mm-hmm. it's a directorial debut from jordan peele and I, god i mean i love his work anyway as a, as a comedian but um I, i'm so excited to see what he does next as a director daniel kalua is mind-blowing in it he will always be that guy from Psychoville in my brain. Yeah. BBC's sitcom Psychoville. But uh, but I love that he's had a, got a Hollywood career and off the back of this, he can do anything. Big, big thumbs up for Get Out. And it's been out for so long, it's actually quite cheap on Blu-ray and DVD now. Sure. So um, if you're looking for Christmas presents, would recommend Get Out. In number four, it's The Florida Project. From Sean Baker, which I saw in Cannes this year and, and I really, really, really loved it. It really sort of swept me up and yeah. I loved following this family. I, I don't think you were as keen on this film. No, um... I, I'm just, uh, it's pathetic, I know, but there are like certain films that uh, I just crave narrative structure and this certainly has a story, don't get me wrong. I, I just found myself lacking, but I fully understand that that is, yeah. I'm very much in the minority on this one. But you're right though, because it doesn't, it has, in terms of story, it reminds me of sort of more experimental, like French New Wave type cinema, Absolutely. like 400 Blows, where just like it's just like 90 minutes of being a kid slice and of then life. it ends it's slice of life <laughs> and this is this is almost two hours long this is two hours of being a kid but in an interesting kind of like social environment and also like you know it shines a light on a community which have never really been depicted on a big screen like yes. this um and it also has a supporting performance from willem dafoe who's very good in it he, he is and the kids are amazing they're absolutely terrific and it's got a score by lauren balfour it and does. this is the year of lauren balfour he did uh lego batman, lego batman yeah. and he did ghost in the shell which yeah. is great and he's also got a credit on dunkirk he he's does. like one of Hans zimmer's one of regular collaborators yeah. um so yeah I, I, and i think i've loved all of lauren balfour's yeah. work this exceptionally year exceptionally talented um, man in at number three it's paddington two yeah I watched Paddington 2 for the first time very hungover one morning and I basically cried and laughed at the same time for 90 minutes what a joy and I really liked that experience I was sort of I didn't really want to leave the theatre at the end because I had to compose myself and the film just kept making me cry there are jokes over the end credits yeah and they're just jokes. It's not like a poignant joke. It's nope. a gag. And it just made me burst into tears. Yeah. A film that reduced me to such an emotional state Happy that even a tears. joke just made me yeah, cry. It's perfect. And I was like, stop it. Please stop it's it. such a wonderful film. Uh, and then I saw it a second time with you and I loved it just as yeah. much second time around. I, I think this film is so well crafted. It's got such a great screenplay. And it, it just pulls it off uh, really really effectively it reminds me quite a lot of the work of frank capra it reminds me a lot of it's a wonderful life yeah and it feels like it's perfect to watch at this time of year couldn't agree more so if you haven't seen it yet please do oh god yes uh, in a number two for me it's my life as a courgette which is a stop motion animation uh, which played in a lot of the festivals last year but it only got its uk release this year it came out in may i think and around that time i did an event uh with this film so i had to watch this film a lot and i think i saw it four times in the end and i just loved it each and every time I watched it. Yeah. It's so good. 
a really smart animation which again is about very current issues um, and very very relatable and it's like 61 minutes long yeah. <laughs> you can watch this film so many times it's... in the space of a uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi <laughs> and uh, much like Manchester so much emotional truth in that mm. film it's beautiful it's uh, it's quite because it's, an, it's like a, the story is about a, a group of kids it's this ensemble cast in stop motion and in 61 minutes it still gives everybody a moment yeah. and everybody a reason for being in this yeah, film absolutely. and something that you as an audience remember can relate to every one of these characters and i, I love the style i love they, they they're sort of animate um they look a bit like these figures that are quite popular at the moment the funko pop type figures like yeah. little bodies and big heads yeah. but because they've got big heads they can be very expressive yes. so it's such a beautiful design yeah. on, on that level i just yeah. loved it it's like excellent you film. cannot go wrong with this film yeah i totally agree big big thumbs up and then my number one uh, another um sort of festival favorite from last year which got its uk release this year is the handmaiden the handmaiden is uh, the God, latest film, film from director park chan wook and it's uh, it's a big two and a half hour long sprawling yeah. like mystery thriller and it's great it's, it's full of twists cork, and turns yeah. and yeah like audible gasps at moments from me uh, the first time I saw it. I saw it a few times. And what I love about watching a thriller is really seeing how it sort of puts these elements into play. Sure. Like, ah, okay, they planted the seed there in minute 15. In minute two hours and 15, yeah. that's going to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved all that stuff. It's a proper pot boiler. Yeah. Yeah. I re and we haven't really had a... I mean, this, this, this definitely would like kind of go against your early 90s erotic thrillers kind of on your DVD shelf. Sure, and we sure, haven't sure. really had a film like that, yeah. like a basic instinct or anything for some time. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I thought this was really, really wonderful. Amazing performances from the, the, the sort of main, the main yeah. cast members. Beautiful score, beautifully well shot. Yeah. You just need to look at the trailer to see the composition of the shots. Like, I don't think we've seen production design and, and cinematography quite like this in anything else this year. It's lavish, like this period setting. I loved it. Big, I really loved it. And I think the fact I've seen it multiple times and it's two and a half hours long sort of speaks to the quality. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I also did an expanded uh, top 10 and we had some crossover in that because I put Moonlight in my top sure. 10, Dunkirk and L. Um, and the additional films in my top 10 we haven't mentioned yet are Lost City of Z and yeah. Raw. A Lost City of Z is my number six ah. uh, behind L. And Raw is further down my list, as is Paddington, as is Get Out, etc. Seven for me is God's Own Country, which oh, yes. is just such an exceptional piece of work. I had Silence in at eight, which I adore, the Scorsese from the start of the year, which mm. has really stayed with me. Handmaiden's my number 10. And at nine, Christine. Remember Christine? Oh, I do, yeah. Which has really stayed with me. Do you want to go through some um, honourable mentions from the sublime to the ridiculous? Yeah. Uh, so I want to mention Girls Trip that we watched together. Absolutely. Uh, with a couple of friends of ours. And it was probably like, it was kind of up there with watching Dunkirk in the IMAX or the, the European premiere of the Star Wars The Last Jedi. And we just watched this in a normal cinema yeah. in like a very small cinema screen, but it was completely sold out yeah. on Friday of release. Friday night crowd. Uh, and it was like all people who wanted to be there and were really excited to be there yeah. and it was electrifying mm -hmm. I loved that experience and was great. Girls Trip is out now on, on DVD and Blu-ray perfect Christmas present for anyone like if you don't know what to buy buy Girls Trip Correct. it'll make someone laugh a lot it's wonderful <laughs> A Cure for Wellness yes um, which I completely love I'm such a huge Gore Verbinski fan I interviewed Gore Verbinski for this film Excellent. and I think when I said I liked it I was he, he actually looked surprised because <laughs> it did get a bit of a kind of a, a yeah. mauling from the critics but I think as a like as an entertainment and a film to watch with an audience it's cracking yeah totally uh, I had agree. a really fun time watching it really really wonderful um, Tony Erdman which I loved Land of Mine which got a 
Tiny Release, which is um, a film about uh, young men in the Second World War combing the beaches for mines, which I thought was wonderful. It would be remiss to not mention La La Land, which I thought was terrific, and a ghost story in a documentary called Dina, and Captain Underpants, which is so good, and I fully recommend. I watched this on your recommendation only last week, and I loved it. Isn't it great? really loved it. It's so beautifully animated, and there's so many different styles of animation brought in. A voice cast of full of great American comedians, mm-hmm. um, like notably Nick Kroll, Ed Helms, etc. Yeah. It's uh, really clever, and it's yeah. really funny, and it's got proper characters, and it's got really great message, and yep. I just loved it. That was a big 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 fan of that i wanted to mention another animation actually sing uh the yes. garth jennings uh musical animation which came out earlier this year like right at the beginning of the year it wasn't a film i was hugely excited about because it looked like it was another talking animal type film yeah. which we've seen a lot of and yeah. i was like why is garth jennings a really inventive director doing this he's doing this because he believes in it and he's made this world which feels really rich and it's yeah, full of heart sure. and amazing songs as well it's such a good idea i really love this film it's yeah. really really smart and uh, it made me cry twice yeah. reese witherspoon as a talking pig singing uh, taylor swift shake it off and taron egerton playing a talking monkey yeah. singing sam smith on a piano <laughs> both made me cry that'll do it uh yeah that's what that's the ingredient that will do it um have we mentioned i want to mention two documentaries i love yeah. uh one is called keddy oh, uh, which is a turkish okay. documentary about istanbul and cats yeah and yeah. it's it's so beautiful it's got a really amazing score and it's so well shot. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I think it, it would be a lovely film to watch on. Yeah. It's also a very short film so yeah. won't stay as welcome. And Step uh, which oh, is a yeah. documentary that's premiered at Sundance Lovely. and it's uh, I, I, again I just just cried and basically it's a list of films I cried during yeah, uh, made me laugh made me cry year. John Wick 2 was a really great sequel I saw earlier this year yeah. um, I just balls to the wall action and I, I had a really great time on the big screen and Absolutely. also the Ghost in the Shell reboot starring Scarlett Johansson and a whole host of people in the cast it's got a really amazing uh, cast for this film and uh, yeah I, I just I love this film I've seen this film three times now yeah. it's a really like smart and sort of elegant blockbuster which just is self-contained you don't need to have done any homework or wait for a sequel it's not setting something up it's just two hours of entertainment yeah I wanted to mention Certain Women, which oh, I think is that's on my list. absolutely exceptional. Kong Skull Island, yes. because it's basically the best blockbuster of the year as far as I'm concerned. We also had Jackie, which was great. Yeah, and right at the beginning of the year. Beach Rats, which I really enjoyed. And Felicitate, which I saw at LFF, which was great, which had a small release recently. In fact, maybe even this week. And 20th Century Women, which was fab. And yes, Brawl in Cell Block 99, which I loved. And Mordy, which was great. And Thelma, which was so exciting. We should say Lady Macbeth. We watched that together. Yeah, I was sort of on the edge of my seat for the whole film. thought it was great. And I don't know if you saw The Beguiled. That makes my list. Yep, um, I like The Beguiled. I thought it was really, really well put together and really amazing performances from the, from the lead cast. This year we had Split. Yes, we did. <laughs> which was great fun. We had The Hippopotamus, which I had so much fun in. I'm such a huge Roger Allen fan, and I really loved that. We saw Transformers the last night together. We had a really good time. And we had a really good time. I, yeah, I was like, I, I, a lot of people, I think it's quite popular to trash a Transformers film, but I we, the, I was so surprised. I, I had such a fun time watching it. It's certainly <laughs> the best one since the first one. And just to have a scene in which Anthony Hopkins explains that there's a secret club of people who've been aware of the Transformers throughout history, and in that club there are people like Stephen Hawking, Mozart, Beethoven, Mahler and Shakespeare. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what a I was just in pieces watching that It also that has scene. like a pre-credit sting where um, Stanley Tucci plays Merlin, <laughs> actual Merlin and Merlin is drunk. <laughs> Merlin is drunk. <laughs> 
Sam, this was the year that we saw Geostorm together at a cinema Geostorm in 4DX. A, yeah, it was actually quite an exclusive screening because they took it off um, after a week. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was a I've, you know Geostorm was a ridiculous movie, but Dreadful. it was also a really great blockbuster. So much I fun! I had so much fun watching yep, it. One of the best things. Uh, big 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 thumbs up. My Little Pony was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I worked on a film called The Ritual, which won a Biffa the other night, which nice. I was very happy with. And uh, it was really fun to work on. My cousin Rachel was great. Mm. So much better than I thought it was going to be. I thought that was fab. It would be so remiss not to mention perhaps my favourite blockbuster of the year, even if it's absolutely not the best. But I love, I need it to go on the record that I love Alien Covenant so, so much. And its closing scene is the best scene of the year. You're insane. <laughs> I think it is such an excellent film. I think it's so scrappy and silly and ridiculous. And I love everything about it. And I saw it three times at the cinema and I cannot wait to see it again. Stop documenting your insanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. And I hope you all agree with me. I mean, yeah, basically there's been a... Out of the 600 odd movies which have come out this year, a lot of them have landed. And uh, I think we'd recommend almost all of those films apart from Alien covenant uh, for you to watch over christmas certainly would uh, speaking of best films of the year we were we were lucky enough this year to be invited on some fellow, fellow podcasters shows which is yes. really nice um to to do that and uh and we've got some answer phone messages uh from them uh around on the their favorite films of the year yes. yeah they, they called the pod phone thank you very much for calling let's go to listen to them right now Hello, it's Dave and Cathy here from the Cinemile Podcast. Uh, one of my favourite movies of the year was Logan. Very early in the year. Uh, it's the only superhero movie to ever make me cry. Wow. Made me cry too. Um, my One of my favourite movies is My Life is a Courgette, which is a really sweet little French animation that was short, sweet and um, very beautiful. So I enjoyed that one. Much like a courgette. Yes. No, courgettes aren't sweet. <laughs> No. Well, you can use them in baking, but they're not sweet. Anyway, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> hey guys, this is Kobe from Flix Watcher Podcast and the brand new podcast, The Wire Stripped. The film I want to talk about is a ghost story. It is one of the films that really stuck with me after I left the cinema. The other one being Mother! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Whilst watching the film, I wasn't so taken with it at the start but then I just kind of went with it and everything kind of slipped into place the way the film's shot it's just it's just kind of stunning and the way it comes about at the end in kind of an independent interstellar vibe is so beautiful and inspiring the second reason I want to talk about this film is it contains my favorite song from this year I get overwhelmed by dark rooms and this has been a song that I've had on constant loop the third reason is because I was lucky enough to meet David Lowry the director at the Sundance London Film Festival and damn it that guy has got the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on a living creature think about this film brings me back to his eyes thank you oh hi picture house podcast this is Tess Morris I am co-host of the romantic comedy podcast you had us at hello um, so I would be remiss if I didn't recommend a romantic comedy to you. Um, so I urge you to watch The Big Sick, um, one of my favourite movies of 2017. It's a wonderful modern take on the genre about a young man who falls in love with a girl who then subsequently falls into a coma, which in many ways parallels the rom-com itself, a genre people keep insist is dying only for it to come back to life. Bye. What a 
our lovely selection box of treats. Yeah, it's been really fun uh, going on. Um, we should put some links up to the shows we were on. It was really nice to, to sort of be asked to go on and, and talk about uh, various film-related uh, things this year. This, uh, it was a really like amazing pod community in London. And, there really is. Uh, there's a, a lot of film fans who like to record their voices and put them online. <laughs> sure are. And, such uh, and I'm people. proud to be part of that club of people. Yes, me too. Um, as we're sort of leaving 2017, we should maybe give the listeners, and maybe we just do a very quick list of some things to look out for in January next year. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my some God. Some that we've seen already. We were lucky enough to see them already, and uh, we wanted to recommend to you. I think you've got the biggest recommendation. I was lucky enough to go and see The Greatest Showman recently, uh, which is a brand new musical about P.T. Barnum, mm. uh, starring Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron and a whole host of characters. And... I've been describing that film ever since I saw it as the worst five-star film I've ever seen. So silly and so much fun and such a perfect nonsense. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah, I think it's a, an absolute marvel. It's the new burlesque and I fully, fully recommend seeing I wanted to recommend uh, the new Disney Pixar film called Coco. Director Lee Unkrich. It's so good. Oh, it's um, opened in the States already and, and in Mexico and it's it's uh, it's been tearing up all of the sort of box office records over there yeah. and we don't get it until mid-January but it's a great film for mid-January it's really smart really thoughtful all about family and like your history your family's history it, I loved it like I, I hopefully I, I imagine this will win an Oscar for best animation and it really should do in my eyes it's so creative and beautiful um, and it's got some really great songs in it uh-huh. great and that's it that's it for us uh, for 2017 we'll, we'll mic drop we won't do that we'll break them um, but we'll we'll sign off for 2017 and we will see you again in 2018 we certainly will regular edition of the podcast you certainly will um thank you so much for listening everyone who's been with us in 2017 it's very much appreciated sam thank you very much for podding with me it's been an absolute pleasure it'll be eight years in april eight years in april goodness gracious me <laughs> uh, well, let's start planning the, the pod party right now let's do it no uh, thank you for listening have a great yes. Christmas and thank you Simon for uh, for talking a load of rubbish absolutely with me absolutely my pleasure it's been, it's been a lot of fun it certainly has well Merry Christmas everyone and a happy new year goodbye bye you have been listening to the Picture House podcast a Picture House's production brought to you by Picture House Cinemas We would like to thank everyone who works at Picture House Cinemas and everyone who has ever attended a screening of a film at a Picture House Cinema. Thanks for listening and see you next week.